Welcome to The Change, a podcast about the changes in life that can shake, break and make us. I'm Laura, a 44-year-old writer, podcaster and mum who has until recently always loved change. And I'm Cathy, 52-year-old writer, podcaster and mum. And change is actually my kryptonite. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia on which this podcast is recorded and recognise continuing connections to lands, waters and communities. We pay our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and elders past and present. Hi, Cathy. Hey, Laura. How are you going? I am good. I'm excited to talk to our guest, Bron, today. And I believe you know Bron rather well from your blogging era. Is that right? I do. We used to blog, you know, back in the day when blogging was a thing, um, before Instagram, before Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. That's how we all communicated. And it was, yeah. you know, it was kind of really sweet and it was really innocent and lovely. Mm. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of horridness out there, but, you know, it was nice. But enough about that. Bron is a writer and she has been writing for over 10 years. She's a passionate advocate for working parents. She writes extensively about life balance, common sense, being that good enough mum. Through her parenting website, Mum Life, Bron aims to help parents of tweens and teens, so older kids, like not Mm. the babies but the older ones, really to flourish so that they can nurture enlightened, passionate kids who can make a difference. Love that. Hi, Bron. Welcome to The Change. It is lovely to have you here. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, (laughs) really excited to chat with you about your journey through, I guess, parenting, through writing about parenting Mm. to now moving to that other side around that non-participation parenting, as I kind of call it for me. Yeah, so parenting of big kids where the participation levels are a lot lower in certain ways physically. Different. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Different. Office, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very different. So, yes. Yeah. So, Bron, you've been through quite a bit of change in the last two years uh, with two children doing the HSC, one after the other, then one moving out. Tell us how those experiences have changed you or how you see yourself. It's been a very big couple of years. Uh, I wouldn't recommend back to back HSCing. And in actual fact, I saw in one of the, the parenting groups. Uh, a mother was saying, you know, they're talking about age gaps and stuff. And I did want to jump in there and say, think of the HSE, you know, <laughs> because everyone's saying, oh, when they start school. And I'm thinking, oh, no, it's the business it's the end. Next you've got to worry about. Yep, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So it is a lot. And and our third is actually about to go into year 11. So we're kind of like HSE, HSE, HSE. Oh, uh, fortunately, none of my children are particularly. Um, you know, academic in the sense that they're all bright, but they really couldn't give a shit. I don't associate. You are, uh, of course. <laughs> so it's like it, it, it's not as stressful around the home as as I'd probably like, to be honest. <laughs> but, yeah, it, the big change, of course, is that um, you, year 11 and 12 are really where they definitely start to pull away. Mm-hmm. Um, they think they're pulling away in the earlier teen years, Um, But they're definitely pulling away in those sort of um, senior kind of teen years. And uh, as a parent, it's kind of, it's finding a place within that, you know. Mm. You have that earlier teen struggle where they're trying to pull and, you know, pull the independent card and um, and and that's, you know, that's tricky. Um, 
and tumultuous and kind of awful, to be honest. But emotionally, it is kind of fraught when they get to that year 11, year 12, they're driving, they're off with their friends, you really hardly see them. And then they move out. And um, all of a sudden, you're kind of like, hmm, I like my child. <laughs> I miss my child. The rose-coloured glasses come on big time. <laughs> Absolutely. I found that too when, um, you know, we had, I mean, our eldest was around a, lo- a, a bit longer than um, your eldest, but also, you know, moved out and kind of moved out quite suddenly for us. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess we thought it was coming, but we'd also moved house to a bigger house. So we thought would stay a bit longer. And and so we made those changes as a family. And then, um, yeah, it moved out with his partner and, and it's lovely and it's a beautiful relationship. And, you know, he's living in, um, but that was, I found that really tricky because he moved in with his partner's family and um so I felt a little bit replaced if I'm yeah. if I'm honest um mm. which was never the case like mm. you know I say that that was all on me they were my feelings it was it's a really tricky change time and there's lots of hormones happening around that time there's lots of puberty hormones and there's also lots of mum hormones yeah <laughs> It's like this really weird thing with nature where our children are going through puberty at the same time as those hormones are flooding into their little bodies, they're flooding out of our bodies and we're kind of going through a second puberty. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a clash. It's a bit though. of a clash. Oh, mm. it is. It is gloves on, isn't it? Mm. Like there's a, lo- there's a lot of emotion running around households, you know, in those later years because, yeah, because, I mean, we're not particularly stable ourselves mm. and it's very hard to parent the completely unstable teen when you're not 100% stable yourself. I mean, what were we thinking having our children older in life? You know, because yes. I kind of went bang straight up against it you know, with a lot of us, um, you know, hitting that perimenopausal stage right in the high school years. Yeah. Yeah. It's game on in, in houses across Australia right now. But <laughs> I think, you know, one of the things that's been particularly tricky is, you know, when, when the son turned 18 in May of his HSC year, I get the I'm an adult, you know, I'm an adult. Mm. And, I'm, and I'm kind of like, you know, at the end of the day, they say you're an adult, but that's just a legal thing, Max. You know, you're an adult when you'll be at 25, the frontal you know, cortex is in place, we'll talk adult then. Until then, you think you're an adult, but yeah. you're not, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they, honestly, they think they're ready to fly and, yeah. and, and be and do and you're not. No. And I remember saying to um, I remember saying to my kids, look, I'll know when I'm done because they always tell me, you're done, you're done here, mum. It's, all, you know, I'll know when I'm done when you know yourself better than I know you. And that isn't it, you know. You don't know yourself as well as I know you just yet. But it is coming. I can feel the shift. Yeah. But I think that's really when a mum knows I can definitely step back now. Do you know what I mean? Yep. And then also when you're financially independent, get back to me because I'm still supporting you, man, you know. Yeah, that's You're not right. an adult. <laughs> yeah. When, when you uh, can insure the car in your own name mm-hmm. rather than using mum or dad as the primary insurer on the car so that you get cheaper insurance, then come back to me, you know. You're an adult. Yeah, yeah so. and you're self-supportive um, and doing all those adult things. But I love the fact that they try and I love the fact that they think that they're there. Uh, you know, it's and it's individual kids, of course. Yeah. We always come back to that. 
we really kind of, I guess, want to talk about, and we've started to touch on it, that change you went through and you were a writer and you mm. wrote about um, your children when they were, well, not so much your children but wrote about parenting. And my children because I they were little. when they were little, yeah. Yeah. I got to know you through your writing and your parenting writing and then we moved from that participation parent, that really hands-on kind of into what, I call the otherhood, you know, mm. we're kind of, we're still mothers and we'll always be their mothers, but we're in that otherhood kind of stage. Mm-hmm. What kind of changes did you notice around, like for you personally? It's actually interesting because when I was initially blogging and I remember writing a post about my youngest turning two. So that's how long I've been writing about my kids and and life and stuff. But back then it was a lot more anonymous. Um, And I even to this day still write under a a pseudonym because I was protecting my kids' names and no one really knew who we were. So it was a very different kind of thing. As soon as social media kicked in, probably about four years, maybe five years into me having a blog, I very much stepped back from the whole thing because I'm not a sharer. I'm not a you know what I mean? I'm not I'm not one to put my life or my kids' life out there, but still love writing and still like to tease out the big points of life through writing. And so I kept writing in the parenting space. But again, I was still kind of it's funny because I don't see myself as the kind of writer that we have today. And even if you look at the website that I run, Mum Life, it's still once removed. Like I'm always writing about parenting, not necessarily my parenting, though I throw a lot of like, you know, incidental things in. But one of the times I really got very truthful and relates to what you were asking about was the day I wrote an article that went completely viral and it was about parenting the child that you have, not the child you want to have or the child you thought you had. And I think for me that's the crux of the otherhood moving from the young children still discovering who they are to suddenly knowing who they are. And I think how well you're doing it is how well you accept who they actually are. And they're telling you every day, and I know a lot of the conflicts that parents have with teens is because they still have an expectation of who they want them to be Mm -hmm. and not who this kid is telling you that they are, practically begging. Um, And, you know, still keeping your cap on for let's stay sane here, you're a teen, you're a bit crazy. But I do feel that that is, to me, the difference between parenting the young children and all that involves and what happens when they get older and how well we cope and manage with it. Yeah. And Mm. how did you cope with that move to parenting the child that you have Mm -hmm. rather than the child that you expected you might have? Because I know that has been challenging for me at various times like I expected one thing and have a very different experiences you know ultimately it's a coming to yourself kind of faith because you suddenly realize they are not me mm-hmm. they do things differently to me um and really how how much you butt up against that is how is how rigid you are yourself I think you know um I'm an extremely conscientious person Become less so via my son and one of my daughters who is not conscientious at all. And that to me was probably my Achilles heel as a, as a mother and still is. You know, like how I would go about something is very different to how he would. But as he's gotten older, I've had the luxury of being able to see that he figures it out in the end. He, you know, like the things that matter to him get done 
And just because he hasn't done that, it's probably because it didn't matter to him. It just mattered to me. So that's, you know, a very. I, I think it's a, it's a very tricky thing and something that you'll always be doing perhaps, you know, as our children become adults and then adults and adults and, you know, you'll be a great grandmother probably still trying to figure that part of it out because our children are not us. Mm. And for a long time we kind of thought they were. And I think that is, you know, that push-pull that we all experience. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that we we do spend a lot of time when our kids are younger saying things like, oh, he's just like you in this way or, he, you know, you try and, I guess, find, almost find the things that are like your you in your child or your husband or your partner in your child and it's kind of like mm-hmm. a fun game when they're little, oh, you know, he's got your laugh or he's got your this and, and then as they grow up you kind of start to see them more as the independent humans that they are but it's sort of like a, it's a, it's a hangover from when they are little that you're sort of doing that comparison of who's like who in the family or where you got that trait from. Um, you know, I know I, I'm trying really hard. My son's 13, my eldest and my youngest is still only six. So I'm trying very hard at this stage to sort of separate myself from them. They are very different to me, and but I am still very much learning that. <laughs> yeah, so you're butting up against against that otherhood question I find um because obviously I get I get a lot of emails from mums um wanting advice wanting me to write about something research something whatever and I do find myself I think the number one phrase that goes through my head when I'm in my work mode as a parent mum because it's quite separate of course you know being Mm. a a parent writer and being a parent they're a little bit different but I do find myself the number one thing that goes through my head is it's not about you it's not about you. Mm. And, you know, high school is not a do-over for you. This is your child's experience with your child's personality and, and their expectations. It's not about you. So often I think as mums, um, in a way we're kind of owed it to be about us because we put so much into it. Mm. But the fact of the matter is it's just not, you know. So learning that and somehow managing to work that out I think is our number one goal as a mum. Yeah. Mm. And it's a real change in perspective. Like Mm. it's a real flip in how we think about ourselves as mothers Mm. and women. And I think we put a lot of our identity into, you know, like if, if, I see mothers in the playground, you know, well, I used to, um, because when you're in high school, you don't see people in the playground. Um, you don't, go to the playground but you see a lot of parents seeing their children successes Mm. or perhaps not successes um, Mm. because I don't want to say failures because that's not it's a learning opportunity everything is a learning opportunity but you see those parents and though particularly mothers whose identities are wrapped up in the success of their child and how perfect they are or how great they are at whatever it is and it's really flipping that Mm. in our own minds and really changing that perspective to be we're not the center of this child's life this this is their life this isn't Mm. our life yeah totally and and just just to your point about the failure or whatever because aren't we in that um at the moment yeah Mm. my child got seven awards and my it leaves me cold yeah and, and and the fact of the matter is that like one kid gets that award, yeah, and a hundred kids don't get the award. Mm, so yeah. are we saying ninety nine kids or a hundred kids are the failure? Of course not. No. I think we need 
And I don't know why it hasn't happened to this point. I, we need a real rethink about that whole way we award our children and mm. and certain kids start getting awarded in kinder and they get the award every single year. And why? Because they're reinforced. You know, they're constantly, mm. I'm good at this. You know, whereas every other kid, what are they supposed to think? I'm not good at this. I didn't mm. get the award. Well, they're not, but that's what happens. Um, yeah, but that was just, that, that's just an aside because that is a real thing for me. I agree. I mean, obviously my kids are a lot younger and they're still in that real, they get dojos in class or something, merit awards. It's all very, very focused on how they perform. And they, they it's like the gamification or something of education and mm-hmm. learning where they're always getting points. Everything's about points. So, the, you know, I just, I find it so hard because now they don't want to do anything that doesn't have some kind of scoring system. And I think this cannot be good, right, for future life if you're not no and where you just have to do things sometimes to learn or to enjoy for enjoyment to enjoy the process yeah enjoy the process I do worry greatly about that yeah 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 Yeah. but I mean like they like I said uh one of the one of the, the beauties of being like kind of like later along in the parenting thing is you do have the ability to look back and go well actually my kid found their way themselves Mm. um for example, when my kid was your youngest sort of age, we were trying everything to get him into a sport and not because, you know, necessarily we thought it was a healthy thing to do or whatever, although it is, um, but because of all the things that come with sport, like team yeah. and participation, community and all those things. And um, and he was just blatant, like he probably rugby, we did taekwondo, we did all the things and not one single thing was good for him. Mm. And then... I think he was in like year seven and he came home and said, I found my sport. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, you know, all those things you're always going on about teamwork. Da, 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 da. I said, yes. He said, I'm in the school musical. Oh. Okay. Hang on. Yes. All the things that sport ticked off, that ticked off too. Yeah. And he said, and I'm going to walk there to the rehearsals every day and back and there's your exercise, mom. And I'm like, done. You know, and we kind of realized, well, mm. there's different ways to come at the same For thing. Sure. And just because we're supposed to be a certain type of person through the the system doesn't mean we're going to be, you know, it doesn't work out like that. Yeah. I feel like when our kids are young, we do worry too much about things like that. Um, We spent a lot of time worrying about our eldest son and social skills and, uh, and as he's got older, you know, obviously he's still only 13, but he's, yeah, he's coming to his own a lot more. We worried way too much basically when he was in those early primary years and we tried to facilitate playdates and things a little bit too much. So I know I can see that there's a the sense you just need to let go a little bit and see yeah. what happens. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And he may well turn out to be the sort of person that doesn't like to socialize a lot. And yeah. that's okay too. That's okay. Exactly. Yeah. You don't have, not everyone, I think because my husband and I are quite social people, again, it's that case of putting, projecting yourself onto your child and then realizing, no, he's totally different. He might only have, you know, a handful of friends in the future. And that is fine if they are good, solid, trustworthy friends. It's very and different. You feel different good person. about it. Yeah. If yeah. you're good within yourself, then even yeah. you only need one friend. Or oh, not. Correct. It, that's it, right. Absolutely. And, and it goes back to what we were talking about very early on about the box ticking that you yes. do when they're little. We mm. all have the boxes to tick and we're all frantically trying to tick mm. those boxes. And in many ways, it's quite freeing come the teen years because you suddenly realize the boxes, the teens have stomped all over the boxes. 
There's nothing yep. to tick, you know, <laughs> and in as much as it is isolating to have teens because you can't really talk about it as much, it's also quite freeing for exactly the same reason, you know, stop ticking the boxes, look at the kid in front of you, what are we dealing with today, you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, it's a little bit like if we think about, you know, when they're little, we do have those developmental rule books, you know, mm-hmm. like what to expect when you're expecting or what to expect in the toddler years or, mm-hmm. and you do have more of a village when they're little, yeah. like, um, because as you say, they were all going through, they're all kind of going through the same milestones at around about the same time. They're roughly walking at the same time, roughly talking at the same time mm. for the most part, you know. Mm. But then as they get into those teen years and that village when they're small, because everybody has those really common experiences and they're really shared experiences, so your village can be quite large, you know, Mm. your mother's group Mm. can be quite large. I know for me, as my kids grew older, that village really shrunk. And that was a big change for me because the issues that we were going through, the things we were facing with our kids were really different. And, you know, every family was dealing with a very different, quite different issue. Um, And so our village got smaller and smaller and smaller and harder to find people to talk to. How did you deal with that kind of change? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. no, I hear you. Uh, that's definitely a thing. I mean, a lot of it centers around the difference between primary and high school, and how that's how that's set up for actually seeing people and you know um, being involved. The, the the big thing I think is that when kids are smaller, um, they're much more portable. You you may have one, two, three kids, whatever. You can go to your mate's house. She's got kids roughly the same age. Get in there and do something. You know, have some fun, and you're there with your friends and. You know, for years through the primary school years, uh, every Friday at, at my place, anyone who was around would come, the mums, you know, whatever, a couple of dads occasionally, but, you know, not the dads. Um, and and all the kids of all ages are just, you know, out the back in the pool or doing whatever. As they get to high school, A, the kids are not having a bar of that. You know, I'm not, I'm not going on a family thing. And then you've got the, well, I'll come, but I'm not going to come. And I, well, I won't come either. So I've got to drive that one to here and this one here, and then I can maybe come to your house. So just the logistics, I think, are the first part of the isolation. And then on top of that, yes, you have the I'm going through something that, like you're there telling me your kid got seven awards in school, and that's actually become quite personal to me because my child's struggling with a learning disability. Yeah. Or... It could be all different kinds of things. We don't mean to do it, but we do. You know, like when things are good, you do want to share your friend's excitement. But the stakes feel so heavy that it's almost impossible to. You know, like you're Mm. so dragged down by the busyness and the business of raising these teens that you worry so much about more than when they were little Mm. that it it, it isolates you from any good news that your friend might have at that particular time. It might swing and roundabout around, you know, the next couple of weeks, but that becomes very isolating. You tend not to share the good things as well as want to talk about the bad things and then all of a sudden you're not talking at all. So that, I've, I, yeah, I've, I have struggled with that. I'm a, I'm a talker though. So generally I'm I'm going to embrace that. I'm going to, hmm. I try to still be a point where people can come together no matter how they're feeling or what they're dealing with. It, yeah. It's a matter of being open and, and I've, 
yeah, within certain close circles, we'll share whatever we're going through for sure. Yeah. yeah. And that's when it's, I think, you know, we talk about as women having friends at different, that are there for the season or reason, and I can't remember the other one, but um, how you have, you know, those mum's group friends that are great when your baby's a little or your primary school age kind of friends for that sort of social time. But it's when you have, you know, it's your real friends, the the, the ones that have been there forever and, and know you as a person, not just you as a mum, that mm. I imagine come into, you know, into great uh, use and force and when your kids are older and you need, you know, that real sense of friendship back in your life. And sometimes mm. for me that change with older kids also came with actually finding new friends. Like mm. so my closest, bestest friend is someone who came to my life, came into my life when my kids were older. Like mm. my kids were going um, year 10-ish I think was kind of around that age and so we went through kind of the really really tricky tough HSC years together and like there's nothing that we don't share with each other you mm. know we share the good and we share the bad mm, and good. We've had to have some really tough conversations. Like she had to once tell me, you know, my son was driving too fast with yeah. her kids in the car. Wow. Her kids were scared. And mm. so I had to have, she had to have a tricky conversation with me and I had to have a tricky conversation with my kid. Mm. And that's a real change in how we parent. And, mm. yeah, it's just, as, and I also think, and not at all in any way to dismiss parents with younger kids but you have to be there for them in the little years you have to listen to the little conversations that annoy you beyond belief you know when they're coming to you and you just think I just want five minutes to myself Mm. but if you're not listening to them then I found they don't come to you when they're bigger they won't come to you because mm. you weren't there for them when they were little and it's that little kids, little problems, big kids. It's not that they're bigger problems but the problems when they're bigger potentially have lifelong consequences mm. as opposed to the little kid problems. Yeah. When the kids were younger um, and I was at that stage I was actually in a corporate job in the city and I was long hours away from home a lot. and. I remember saying to my mum, you know, when they were sort of like the, the naught years, because I, as I said, we've got our kids really close together, so they're kind of like a unit of um, four, uh, three under four. And I remember saying to my mum, oh, my God, I should be at home with them, whatever. And she said, no, it's the later years that mm. they're going to need you at home. So mm. if you need to work now when they're little babies and anyone can change their nappy, honey, and you can give them lots of cuddles when you see them. Um, and then, you know, like as they get into school and stuff, to come home to someone kind of matters you know what I mean and so yeah as it happened that's how it worked out for me only because when all three were finally in school uh, and we no longer had that sort of daycare thing trying to figure out the holidays and all that kind of stuff I was like oh my god how do I work a career around oh, this so hard. as everyone mum knows yeah I thought I'm, I'm just not I'm not prepared to do that I know myself I, I can't I can't do that the, the stress of this is going to kill me I think I did mm. it for two years it was like and so that's when I sort of started thinking, what else can I do? And that's when the writing and stuff came up. So in a lot of ways, my children precipitated a complete change in career for me, um, which turned out to be a great thing to do. Interestingly, as they've gotten older, I'm now kind of like 
you know, I'm an old bird myself and I'm wanting something different now. I've been freelance writing from home for 12 years. I've got them through. I'm thinking, hmm, what's next for me? Mm-hmm. And I've realised that that's actually a theme in general as the kids have gotten older. I'm, I'm returning to myself. Mm. I'm returning to old friends I had before I even had kids mm. who I haven't seen for 20 years. Do you know what I mean? All of a sudden we're, we're contacting each other again. We're, we're going for walks. We're, it is, it's a, it's a coming back to yourself. You, you're no longer the mother first and foremost, the human, the brawn first and foremost, and then the mum's in there, of course, and top of mind, but not the number one thing. It's kind of weird. <laughs> I kind of love that. I I think it sounds amazing. And I think it's really important that you do get to come back to yourself and, you know, and be brawn again. Like you, you can become less selfless, I think. Um, <laughs> although, to be honest, it's something I worked on my whole parenting career, if you like. I'm not a person to feel a lot of guilt. I make my choices. I make them very thoroughly. I, I research. I, I make sure I'm very happy with them. And then I don't look back. Never was one for the mum guilt. Never thought, Good. oh, you do what you have with what you've got at the time and what comes out comes out. Like, yeah, I do think there's a real tendency for parents to become engineers and want to engineer a life for their child. I'm going to put all these things in I'm going to, you know, I'm going to move this around. I'm going to you know, kind of try to manipulate life in many ways. Um, as I said, in many ways, trying to not work with the child they have in front of them. Um, so for me, it wasn't that much of a coming to myself as it may be for another woman, but I definitely know it's coming up. You know, when your kids get older, did you find that, Kath? You get more space for you again. Absolutely. Um, I kind of, I think Laura and I have talked about, it's like coming into your third act of life. Mm. You kind mm. of, you know, first act being when you're a child, adolescent, coming into a young person Mm. second act for me and for many women probably listening the second act is really around that motherhood period you know that marriage motherhood buying a house all of those responsibility things and Mm. I know I found when I was in that responsibility phase which I still am Mm. looking back at my first act thinking I really still wanted to be 21 but I didn't really I just didn't want the responsibility that I had Mm. the second act but now that my kids are like you know all three of mine have finished their HSC yay yay, (laughs) and we're celebrating that so I'm now able to come into that third act where I've got the support of a great husband who supports me to be able to find my career now and find me again mm. after a long period of time where I was, you know, being there for the family. So, yeah, and I think our kids spark that a lot too because, of course, they're coming into that stage of their life where they're looking for the next chapter and they're growing away from us. And in a way, we're kind of almost doing that alongside them. Um, you know, what's next for me too? Like as much as we talk to our kids, what happens next is what I'm always saying to them. You don't need to know what you're doing for life, but you do need to know what comes next. What comes next? What comes next? And of course, now I'm thinking, well, what comes next for me? And I'm very much in that headspace of thinking, hmm. As I said, I still have one to go for the HSC, but for me, like one kid just feels like an absolute Mm. breeze. She hates it. A lot of focus, a lot of focus. (laughs) Stop looking at me. 
Yes, you are. You're looking. <laughs> the dynamics at home are so utterly different. Because um, you've only got one at home at the moment. At the How moment, you, yeah. 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 So my my middle, uh, so Max did his HSC and moved to the gong um, to go to uni. So he moved away, uh, fully supported by his hardworking mother. And then um, my middle, Arabella, is um, she's just finished her HSC, but uh, two days after she finished the HSC, she was on a plane to the Dominican Republic to go volunteering. Wow. She came back, she's been in Melbourne and the Gold Coast. We actually haven't seen her since her HSC. Um, and then she'll come back for Christmas and stuff, and then she's actually going into the um, Army Gap year. So she'll wow. be gone as well. So we've kind of just had little Lottie at home for the last six weeks with her parents, being used to being surrounded by a very rambunctious and large, um, you know, kind of family situation. We're now down to that only child. Yeah. Mm. And she says, God love her, I feel like I've been left behind. Oh. And I'm, well, yeah, I guess you would. I, I've not been the youngest child. I don't know what it feels like, but she very much feels like they get to go on with mm. their life. I'm still stuck here with you you know <laughs> she'll get her turn it's just that real change in dynamics isn't it at home mm. yeah definitely but I think she secretly quite loves it you know because <laughs> yeah because you know it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice you know yeah like, yeah it's nice to have her the just room. Her, yeah yeah mm. if you obviously we've all got hindsight and we can all look back and sometimes it's helpful sometimes it's not if you were to look back is it are there any things any moments that you kind of can look back and think, oh, gosh, I would change how I did that or I would change that moment or you just, you yeah. know, you run Oh, so it. many. What parent wouldn't have like like a list so long of, of oh, God, if only I'd done that differently or, that, you know, every day we kind of, I mean, we're just fucking it up left, right and centre really, aren't we? But, <laughs> but the only thing, honestly, is sometimes... Some of the revelations that I had as a parent, I wish I'd come to sooner. And I think that would be the number one thing because um, eventually we get there, don't we? Yeah. I think, you know, when he was little and obviously still does, um, my son had very severe anxiety and there was a lot of pressure and troubled, you know, like family life at that time to a degree. And it took me a bit too long, I think, to come to the realisation that, I needed to parent the child and not the anxiety. And we were coddling a lot to the anxiety, forgetting about the child that was actually, you know, underneath, you know. And I feel that, yeah, if I'd have come to that sooner, I think a lot of trouble would have been averted. Um, and the fact is as soon as we came to that conclusion, we kind of started to be, I would say, like a tough love kind of parent with the anxiety. Um, and I remember having many conversations with Max about, me being tougher than the things that he was scared of. So, you know, and and you're tougher than the things you're scared of and all those kind of conversations that would have been really nice conversations with the little, little boy, you know what I mean? So if anything, that would be my big regret, but I don't have big regrets, if you like. Like I don't, I don't feel, I probably now that we're older and as soon as the kids were old enough to sort of be in their hometown and go, they're like, why did we move out of the inner city of Sydney? Like, why'd you move us out to the burbs? It's so awful here, you know. I'm thinking, oh, why did we move? <laughs> why didn't we stay? We could have just been there now, you know, with the kids running around. And But, hey, you know, hindsight and all that kind of thing, yeah. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it, really?
finally, Bron, thank you obviously so much for chatting to us today. But our podcast is called The Change, as you know, which is in part a reference to the midlife experience of all women. And uh, we want to know what is your experience or feeling towards the change, menopause, etc. The change. Well, I bought a I bought a small desk fan yesterday, oh. <laughs> and when I said to when I said to Bart, my husband, oh, I think I need a fan at night. It's so humid. He just looked at me and said, it's happening. (laughs) So I've actually been very, I've been, okay, so hormonally, shall we say, I've been very lucky my whole life. Um, I'm not a hormone sensitive person and therefore skated through pregnancies, puberty, all the things quite nicely. And I do not touch, I do not take that for granted. So, so far, I think with the perimenopause, again, true to form, I don't think there's been much on it for me. Um, I, every now and then I read an article that petrifies me and think I, have, I need to go on HRT. You know what I mean? Like I'm, but of course that's probably not the case. But I, I think that the the main thing for me with with the change is actually the acknowledgement, and I've tried to do this my life, the acknowledgement of a change, and not to mm. just dismiss it, not to skate over it, not to push it to the side, to ask myself what is my body trying to tell me here. And what does that emotionally mean to me and the way I am in the world? I can get a bit woo-woo actually in my everyday life, just quietly. It doesn't come out in my writing much, but it's there. Um, And so for me, that has very much been um, a nesting of sorts, a little bit like we did when we were pregnant. And I think potentially when hormonal changes are happening, we feel the need to nest, to find comfort in how we are surrounded in in our everyday life. I've become much more health-focused in a gentle way, not in, I've got to lose weight, oh, my God, I'm on the treadmill, but more I want to be strong and I want to be capable and I want to get a few more, you know, years out of these terrible knees I have. But I think ultimately at this stage in our life, the main thing for me is to be true to the person I've become and to to sit with that, to not to give myself space and to stop having my head turned by all the silly things that life's telling me I had to should have my head's turned. So I have spent a couple of years really getting true on the values that I hold closest and what they mean to me um, and to try to live my life every day with those values top of mind and all the rest is noise. And it's quite comforting actually. So I, mean, I think I'm in a good place in that sense and I think the change brings that on when we really listen to what is happening here. You know, what is my body really telling me? You know, mm. not just the wrinkles, not just the mouth lines that are coming out of nowhere. Not the, not the fluff that I oh. shave off. Yeah. Oh, yeah, same. Chin I, hairs. I, chin hairs that, mm. I don't know, they sprout. I'm so fluffy. But over, I haven't been game enough to do the shave thing. Oh, the, the chin hairs that sprout overnight you know you get them all and then the next morning you'll be sitting at the traffic lights I've got tweezers everywhere I tell you I know and it's crazy I'm actually a very fair person and with without much body hair at all like really very mm. body, body hair I, I have a moustache if I don't oh, same yeah. thing. oh yeah what's, just what's get I just, what, is, what is happening here and dermaplane like, dermaplane that baby off yeah yep. no I, I've got to I've got to work up the courage I, I keep <laughs> feeling that I'll like be stubbled no, you know, no, like, it's actually all right. Yeah, it's okay. No, I promise no, I, you. I'm hearing yeah. good things. So yeah, <laughs> but well, I mean, my big thing is like seriously, don't judge a woman sitting 
at the traffic lights feeling her chin because oh, yeah. she's literally she has just found another chin hair. Yeah, she's mm. got some serious business to yeah, attend to. Like, yeah. Find some tweezers for her. Yeah, or just let them grow. Whatever whatever works for you, I yeah, think. You know, whatever you prefer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, Bron, thank you so much. Um, yes, you your wisdom in nesting through the menopause might be something I'm going to take on. I'm going to just nest <laughs> through it. Uh, <laughs> regardless of the chin <laughs> What hair. else are we to do? <laughs> Oh gosh, I just I could sit and listen to Bron all day. Mm. I, I just love listening to Bron and yeah. even her woo woo, as she says. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's got a great way about her. Very measured. Um, a lot of what she said was very relatable. And even having you know much younger kids, I could still kind of mm. listen to what she said, and I can just imagine, you know, how I will be in the future. And I think yeah. she had a lot of great things, a lot of good advice as well. For yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. One of my one of the big takeaways for me was about parenting the child that is in front of you, mm. not parenting the child that you wish you had. Yeah, that's so true. I wrote that down too because I thought of I've made so many parenting fuck ups in my time, and um, uh, and I'm really only 13 years in, so I was plenty more time for that. But yeah, I thought about that and how you want your you know you you want your kids to be happy, and you try so hard to to facilitate that for them sometimes you don't really listen to what they're saying and they're standing in front yeah. of you and like she said and I think that her point was to kind of throw out the rule book and just just listen so I'm really going to take that on and, and try and focus on that more in the future yeah absolutely and as you say really just listen to what they're saying not like put aside our own expectations of the situation and listen to what they're telling us um, Mm. is so important. And, um, and I also loved Bron's um, take on the change, you know, that nurturing herself, nurturing Mm. um, the change. Nesting as well. Nesting. Yeah. yeah, Like really thinking about um, that. It Yes, it's a change, but it doesn't have to be negative. It doesn't have Mm. to be terrible. And, and um, also thinking about how she's moving into that next stage, you know, into that third act as we like to talk about. Mm. You know, um, and she's thinking that as her kids are, you know, thinking about what, what's next for them, she's also thinking about, well, what's next for me? Yeah. And um, that's so important. I don't think we do that enough. I think we... Um, I know I certainly have invested a lot of years into um, raising our children and, you know, um, that's part of who I am and, you know, that was my identity for a long time, being um, a wife, a supportive wife and um, nurturing mother and it never occurred to me at any point to start thinking about what's next, like who am I when they don't need me anymore yeah I need me like that yeah I liked her thoughts on that too I think a little bit different to you in the sense I maybe that I've I've always been a bit selfish I think that's a really awful thing to say I don't know not at all um in the sense that I remember even before I had kids I was like you know what I just I'm only going to breastfeed for six months and I'm I'm going to go straight back to work and had all these like ridiculous things I was only going to do and with the breastfeeding, I did actually only breastfeed for six months per child, which I know is like against the the law of breastfeeding or what have you. But I also, um, stru- you know, I struggled going back to work actually, and it was really hard. And there's things I've kind of 
been the other way where I've put too much pressure on myself and haven't perhaps focused enough on just being in the moment with my kids. And I look back now and think I was, you know, I was an idiot really. Um, but what I thought too was really interesting what she said about the isolation. And I think mm. you've mentioned this to me before, uh, you know, when your kids are older, you stop talking to, you know, a lot of your friends because you're not going through those same phases. There's, mm. a, there's a camaraderie, right, when the kids are little and you're like, whether you're a working mom or not, there's that sense of camaraderie and, oh, they're toddlers are right little shits or, you know, whatever they're and they're incredibly challenging and it's sort of funny and there's a lot of social media and, you know, even before social media, there was the blogging content that was very, yeah. very relatable. And then suddenly it's like a silence. And I've, and I'm coming into that phase now with Toby as a teenager and having been a parenting writer and now no longer being one, it was like, I don't want to do it either. I don't want to write about my kids yeah. anymore. It's too, it, I don't feel that I need to, but also I don't want to because they're, they're coming into their own people. And, mm -hmm. but that with that, is that sense of isolation and like you feel you can't share as much anymore and 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 she mentioned the logistical isolation I thought was really interesting of kind of doing the taxiing around and having to take your big kids here on a Friday night and then over there on a Saturday and I see that with you know people I know in my life who have those older kids they're just like taxi service yeah. um for sport and social absolutely and can be so hard know. yeah yes. that's a and really good point you're never often in a place long enough to be able to make those connections, you know, mm. even though you might be at soccer or at football or at netball or whatever it might be, you literally just drop, run, race the other child somewhere else, drop, run back to there. You might, if you're lucky enough, get time to sit and watch the game on the sideline, mm. but you don't really talk to the other parents because you don't really know them to sort of say hi or, you yeah. know. And so when things kind of do get challenging and, you know, I mean some people breeze through older kids, you know, mm. and like good on them and all power to them. For sure. I would argue that probably most of us don't and mm. we mostly have our moments, but it can be quite isolating sometimes mm. and especially if they're, you know, big problems, you know, lifelong yeah. consequential problems um, and sure. you just never know when those issues are going to hit you, you know, and, mm. um, yeah, so it's really about sort of being there, listening to our kids and, you know, making sure that we're there for them when they need us, you know. Yeah. That's definitely something I'm sort of starting to feel too, that I just need to be around more, like, mm. and just, just in case Toby wants to talk to me, you know, um, yeah. as opposed to, I don't need to necessarily do as much for him now. Um, it's just about being around for as yeah. and when he's ready to tell me something or yeah. Um, have a, a hug, which is becoming rarer by the, rarer by the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You'll find those side-by-side -side conversations, mm. car, yes, those car. moments, those car conversations that when I used to sort of be able to have the the best conversations mm. with um, the three of my kids because it wasn't that forced, like I'm not sitting down staring at them in, in the face, yeah. tell me this, yes. you know, you can just kind of have that casual chat and um, kind of go, oh, right, mm. okay. And yeah, more natural. Know, and, yeah, and and sometimes it, it's a real, you know, uh, to be able to go, <gasps> And keep that thought to yourself and yeah. go, right, 
right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. No worries. <laughs> um, yeah. So about that netball game on the weekend, you know, and mm. go with whatever it is that they're telling you. Yeah. Yeah. Listen and yeah. Yeah. Just take it all on and yeah. Ah, oh, parenting. It's um never never gets easier, does it? There we are. No, and no. It certainly um certainly feels like you know nature's sense of humour in that we're all older parents and yeah, rude. We um being older parents means that we're sort of going through that second puberty, if you like, where the yeah, that's right, flooding out as their hormones are flooding in. Yeah, so it's no cruel. one's really a bit sane yeah. at the same time, and uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a good it's good times. But um but yes, Bron was excellent and she really gave me lots of food for thought. So I'm very grateful that we had her on uh, the change. Thanks for listening to The Change, a fully independent podcast. Whether you're seeking inspiration, curious about change, or just here for the great banter, we'd love you to make The Change your new go-to podcast. And even better, send us your voice notes or questions about change. We'll use them on the show. Email us at changepod2023 at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at the underscore change underscore pod. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram for more on The Change.